Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com/slash I Love That Movie. Right now, we're covering every episode of The Mandalorian, uh, and I have a guest on there each week, and then also kind of give a rundown of what I'm watching that week. Um, and my reviews on that as well. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, Philip Barker, and Ricardo Alvarez. Thank you all so much for keeping the lights on. And, you know, at the end of this episode, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, I've got a new guest with me here today on the podcast. I've got Colin Smith. Say hi, Colin. Hi. Hey, uh, and would you mind introducing yourself a little bit to our audience? Yeah, I'm happy to. So I am Colin Smith. I uh, am a lawyer. Uh, I'm a father. I am a husband and a movie lover, uh, which is probably the first thing of any of those that I was. Um, I have this vivid memory of my parents taking me to a re-release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which I have found out would have been when I was three, but I still remember oh, wow. it vividly. And ever since then, I've just loved going to movies, loved talking about movies, loved watching movies. Awesome. That's so great. I, I, I saw Snow White re-released in the theaters too. <laughs> I remember that happening. That's great. Yeah, it's amazing what, uh, you know, we, uh, what our early influences are. I know, like, I think the first movie I ever saw in the theaters was Cinderella. And I think it was like four or five when I saw that. So yeah, it was also a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we're not talking about a Disney movie today. Uh, no. My guest always picks the movie. So what movie did you choose to talk about today? So I chose Before Sunrise, which is the first of the Before trilogy, which are pretty much my favorite movies. I mean, I have lots of favorite movies, but these ones are um, are right up there for me. So what, what movies are in the trilogy? So there is Before Sunrise, and then there is Before Sunset, and then the final one is Before Midnight. Oh, so I I wasn't aware of this trilogy. This is all brand new for me. So that's exciting. <laughs> dive into our experiences with this, but I've never seen this before. So this is like completely new. And I do want to say before we continue that there will be spoilers. So I do suggest that people go watch this movie first before they listen to our discussion. But if you're still here, I'm going to give a quick synopsis. And it's literally like a sentence, but here it is. A young woman and a man meet on a train in Europe and wind up spending one evening together in Vienna. Unfortunately, both know that this will be their only night together. So, Colin. Yeah, that sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> very succinctly. Uh, Colin, what? tell me about your experience with this movie. Like, when did you first see it? Okay. Um, so, I know that we can talk a little bit about spoilers, and I will, but I'm going to do my best not to talk about either of the sequels because I Okay. I think when you've seen this movie, um, the, a big part of it is the experience of um, of not knowing anything else. So I'm going to yeah. try to avoid that. So I saw this movie um, uh, when it f- first came out and um, in, in cinema. So I went to the cinema and I saw this movie with some friends. Um, the thing, one of the things for this movie that I think makes it so um, special for me is the fact that I am 
Well, I'm a little bit younger than the two lead actors in this story. Um, the, the, I'm, I'm pretty much the same age as the characters are at this moment mm-hmm. in their life. And so, so much about um, where they were at in their lives and what they were going through and the things they were thinking about and the things they were fascinated with was right where I was at the time that I saw it. Um, oh, I love so when that I, happens. Yeah. And so I think that that um, really... Um, shaped a lot of my love for this movie. I mean, there was a, you know, a a handful of other sort of Gen X movies at that time, the mid nineties that were sort of coming out the, you know, the, um, uh, what are they? They're they're forgettable. So I've now forgot them, but this one I was (laughs) talking about, I guess movies like singles or reality bites, um, things like that. And, but this one really resonated for me in terms of just uh, the, I think I've always been drawn to talkie movies where characters converse a lot. Yeah. And so I, this one just really resonated for me. And I think there was just something about the, the kind of romance that was going on that, that really drew me in. And also I love Europe and even though Vienna is a city I haven't visited, but um, you know, I just love the idea of, and I've had the experience of getting lost in other European cities that I've, I love um, I love wandering them and exploring, and so just everything about this movie resonated for me. Yeah, I think when you compare this to other '90s movies, so this came out in 1995, and you mentioned like Reality Bites. Um, it's got that like, you know, sort of coming of age a little later than like older movies showed. You know, it's like 20 is the new teenager right it's like they're they're growing up and they're realizing life isn't how they thought it was it's a little bit misanthropic but i think this movie has maybe a sunnier view of that than some of the other movies like i felt like even though there's some dark points in the movie or times that they talk about serious or sad stuff it feels more like raw honesty but it's not like depressing you know whereas i feel like some 90s coming of age stuff was like they leaned really hard into like you know, life's not how I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I, uh, I think there's a theme in this movie of both of the characters with their, their fears, their frustrations, their irritations, their disappointments. Um, but yet still believing in, in, you know, something, right. Like I think Jesse, for example, tries to be cynical about a lot of things, uh, whether it's the fortune teller or the poet or, or whatever, but, um, but I think that he's still, you know, sort of searching for that, um, you know, for for that spirit of hope or or love or connection, and mm-hmm. so uh, and and definitely Celine as well has she's I think even more open to it. So I, that I I think you're right on when you say that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to cut into a couple of quick facts, um, right. and I've just got a, a few for this movie. But the first one that I have is that the idea of the movie came from a night that Richard Linklater uh, spent walking around Philadelphia with Amy, a woman he had met. Contrary to the movie, they stayed in touch for a while until contact was lost. Linklater never heard from her again, not even when he became a director and before Sunrise was released. It was not until 2010 that he found out that Amy had died in a traffic accident before the release of the first film of the trilogy. Yeah, I heard that story, and I, I, I yeah, it's beautiful. It's uh, tragic and sad, and um, mm-hmm. it's interesting how the uh, you know, as artists, people are inspired by these moments in their lives. Earlier, when you were talking about you know getting lost in Europe and loving Europe, I visited Europe a few times. Um, I've been to Vienna. Um, although it was for work, so it was kind of like hmm. I was there for like two or three days after. And, uh, you know, it, it, I had fun, but it wasn't, it definitely didn't get to like see a whole lot, but, um, I right away was like, oh, yay. Like, I like where this, you know, this takes place. And I agree with you, the, like the pacing of the film and like all the things that they get into, it reminds me a lot of when I've been over there with people and, you know, instead of, you know, doing the structured, like we're going to go on this tour, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. When you start just kind of wandering around it, it felt very authentic to what that feeling feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think um, 
the other thing that feels authentic is that sort of idea of fleeting connection that these people mm-hmm. are meeting in this one limited period of time and you know whether it's likely or not that they would you know ever be able to connect again they they have that moment and that connection and we always so much romance in movies is around and and media in general is around happily ever after and and this is about just sort of living in this um this one evening is one night and there's just yeah, something and, really magical about that. And appreciating that moment. Cause I do think I agree. Like, you know, we're quick to put labels on things. Do I have a future with this person? And I think people get so caught up in that. It's like, they forget to enjoy someone else's company. And, and I agree, like, even though I don't relate to maybe meeting someone and having like one day with them in that way, I think when I've traveled, I've had instances come up where I did meet someone on a tour, like as a friend, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we conversed and got along really well, but we never traded information. I never saw them again, right. but they were still like really fun, quick interactions. And, you know, the world that we're in right now with the pandemic and like less travel and all that, I'm like, man, I'm really kind of missing that, uh, that yeah. feeling of, of meeting someone and connecting with them, you know, even when it's just for a short amount of time. I was thinking the same thing when I was rewatching this for this. I, you know, how much I'm missing travel right now because uh, I do love it and and just the opportunity to be in somewhere new and and to meet new people and just missing all of that with everything that's going on right now. Yeah, and how it it can be kind of fun. You know, I, I've heard people say that that haven't traveled a lot. They're like, oh well, you know, everything's so different over there, or you know, I'm, I'm worried I won't get along with people over there. I mean. I feel like we get a little spoiled in America with that thought. Like we're like, oh, I, you know, we don't want to be the fish out of water kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's something really fun about being an outsider sometimes. And, yeah. you know, in the movie, they overhear so many conversations and they on purpose don't translate them. Um, yes. And there's that that feels so real. There's so many times I eavesdropped on someone and had no idea what they were saying or I, you know, people watch or whatever. And like, it's okay sometimes to just sort of be quiet and take in a moment. And, you know, I, I thought this movie captured that really well. I love that they're both outsiders in this spot. Neither of them belong mm-hmm. there. Neither of them are really connected to that place. And, but yet they're, neither of them are from, they're, they're not from the same place either. So they have right. that dimension both between them and the location that they're in that I think just allows the, um, that moment to, to exist for them. Like if one of them had been in their home, you know, it might've been a different sort of feeling, right? If one of them was right. connected or if um, they, uh, you know, were both, you know, from the same place or, or knew each other before. And then that would have been a different story. So I like the way that that all plays together. Totally. And it kind of leads into my next fact, actually didn't do that on purpose, but it's a great segue. (laughs) Uh, Richard Linklater left out the subtitles in the opening sequence, which I noticed. I was like, should I turn them on? And then I was like, you know what? This feels intentional. So I didn't. Uh, The couple on the train is actually arguing in German uh, the man is reading his newspaper about how 70,000 women are addicted to alcohol and the script translates the squabble as you're one of them, he says to the wife and she volleys back saying, he's the alcoholic. I have a reason to do it. I'm married to you, he retorts. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. That's interesting. I, I, I always felt it was appropriate that, that we didn't know what they were arguing about um, because that wasn't what that scene was about right mm-hmm. uh, but it is interesting just to find out after all this time what 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 was being said you get the feeling and they touch on it in the movie there's something about like younger people watching an older couple argue and you know that i think there's always that thing pointed out of like oh man that's what we're going to end up being which he kind of talks about later um and they talk about a lot in the movie as is you get to know somebody how that relationship changes and stuff like that. But I, I've noticed they use that kind of in movies a lot. Uh, but I agree with you, like not knowing what they're saying, you know, doesn't matter because what it does is it forces a connection between the two of them. And there's that moment of like, Ooh, you know, they're really going yeah. at it. And that's so relatable. Like we've all been in an awkward situation where, mm-hmm. you know, someone is publicly arguing and, 
we're not really listening to what they're saying anyway. Right. So the fact that it's in another language just makes that even easier, I think, in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I also think that it speaks to them as, you know, at being at that stage in life, that early 20s, um, and seeing this older couple and sort of the the um, the pessimism that maybe mm-hmm. um, is fueling some of where they're both at with, with what's been yeah. going on in their lives. And then this opportunity that comes up for them that might challenge some of that pessimism. Yes, so true. So true. Uh, the last thing that I had was that most of the script was rewritten by Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke. Uh, Delpy later expressed frustration that they were unaccredited for their work. Yes, I, I did hear that. Um, my understanding is that um, they they did rewrite and improvise a lot of the dialogue. And it does feel like I felt when I was watching it, I always feel like the dialogue feels very natural and that there's sometimes mm-hmm. when it's flowing so good and the rhythm's just there and other times when it's just a little off and awkward and, and maybe people don't know what to say or, or a conversation just sort of trails off, which just feels so real life. Yes, there's a couple times, especially because, you know, this did come out in the 90s and I'm thinking about... um I think like the dynamic and relationships specifically between like men and women at the time. Um, I think there's sometimes where Ethan Hawke's character says things that she's like, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she, I mean, she vocalizes it. She's like, I don't really enjoy this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I really related to that part. I thought, I think it was one of those things. It's like, Hey, this is a big can of worms and we'll be here all night. <laughs> I, I frankly don't want to do that. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways I was like, ah, oh, that's awkward now. Like, but at the same time, it, it's real. It's real for yeah. 1995, certainly. And it's real for young people to just, I don't know. It's like when you're in your twenties and I feel bad if you're in your twenties, you're listening to this, like take everything I say with a grain <laughs> of salt. I was a pretty immature in my twenties, but I will say that, like, you have this confidence about you, I think, that Ethan Hawke has about, you know, like, just spewing out what you think of are facts, and they're really just your point of view. Yeah. So I think there's times in the movie where he kind of goes on this rambly, like, here's what I think, and he's so overconfident about it that we're like, when you're older, you're just, like, cringing hearing it, right? Yes. <laughs> A little bit. I, I, totally. Um, I mean, I think... There's a lot of that. I actually remember noticing this was one of the first films I can remember sort of seeing where um, where the the female character's agency was really emphasized. Like mm-hmm. when they do finally kiss, um, she sort of is the one that is nudging it forward. And he's kind of waiting for her to take the lead. And there's sort of a few moments like that. And I, you know, so much in our classic movies, there's this um, sort of romanticization of the idea of the man sort of uh, pushing himself onto the woman and then her surrendering. And mm-hmm. this the first times in a, in a film that I remember seeing, I'm sure there was others, but one of the first times where I really felt like, um, like her choice, like whether it's her choosing to step out, there's that hesitation moment where she's about to step off the train I feel like she's really making this choice for herself. And then again, mm-hmm. um, on the, on the Ferris wheel. And I really appreciated that, especially as a, as a young man watching this movie at the time and, and seeing a different kind of romance sort of put forward than, than we're sort of used to seeing in romantic movies. I wondered at some point if, you know, I think there's a perception that like Americans have of women in Europe being like different too Mm. and if i wondered if like he was treating her a little bit different because he didn't know where all her like boundaries and her conventions and you know her worldview was so he was like extra like i've really got to see where this goes too right i like the i think there's a little bit of that for sure i think there's a bit of that i also think there's a bit of the 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 part where they're talking about her feeling like an old soul and him feeling like a young boy. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of that too, where I think he's feeling just out of his depth. Like he puts on this (laughs) great show, but in some ways I think he's feeling out of his depth, but that he's liking that. I think he likes being sort of um, uh, exposed to something maybe different than he's used to something um, maybe a bit more mature than he's ready for, especially after maybe the, the relationship that he just got out of. I agree. I feel like their relationship in this one, you know, while it's romantic and while they're certainly 
attractive people, they're attracted to each other, but it's that like intellectual and emotional connection that really mm-hmm. drives them. And I think it's something new for both of them, really. I don't think either one of them have met someone before that they connected with on that level. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's probably true for her as well. I mean, the, the movie's told from like Linklater, Linklater's the director, so it's probably a bit more leaning on to telling the movie from Jesse's point of view. But um, I think she's probably feeling something similar too in that he's not what she's used to in terms of the kind of um, people she's been with in the past. Um, And this is somebody that is uh, bringing a a different perspective to her that she might be fascinated in as well. So I think they both have a little bit of that sort of not knowing, um, you know, not recognizing this in, in, in terms of their past relationships. This is something a bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And Linklater, you know, he he directed a uh, Waking Life, uh, Boyhood, The Scanner mm-hmm. Darkly. Are you familiar with his his other works? I, well? I, I, so it's interesting. I'm actually not a big fan of most of his other films, but these mm-hmm. movies, for some reason, really resonate for me. I don't dislike any of the movies. This none of them have resonated in the same way. But um, I, I actually have different. <laughs> uh, yes, but I have a bit of a fun fact in terms of Waking Life. Um, the characters, these two characters appear in a scene together in Waking Life um, that is presented as if it's a dream sequence in a way that the two of them are in bed together having a conversation, um, which is uh, fascinating. Um, and then um, the, I think one of the um, things about Linklater that is interesting is the way that he plays with time. So with like this, this, these movies are a bit of a signature for him because of that in terms of the way the trilogy has played out, but also the way he filmed Boyhood, which of course is one of his um, critically most acclaimed films. Mm-hmm. Um, just his, um, his playing with time and, and, and in terms of how you even make these movies over long periods of time, right? So it's yeah, I can't to, imagine. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so ambitious. It's shocking that he was able to pull it off, and yes. you know, everyone was able to be in it. It's it, yeah, that alone is amazing. Yes, definitely. Um, so let's talk uh, about some of your favorite scenes in this movie. We've kind of already dipped our toe into some of the scenes, but why don't you tell us about some of your favorites from the film? So I think like a lot of your guests, it's hard for me to pick just one because I love the whole film, right? So, mm-hmm. so much of it um, has, uh, you know, has sort of resonance for me. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I sort of, there's, there's a lot of sort of little moments that, you know, enjoy. there's a lot of, st- like, you know, there's the, the milkshake poem, which every time that part comes up, I just, I gush a little bit. I, I love that moment <laughs> and I end up getting uh, sort of sappy about that. Um, I like that there's, um, so that moment where she complains, this was in 1995. Now we're sort of used to hearing women complain about being told to smile, but this is like way back then, Celine has this moment where she, you know, talks about how frustrating it is to be told to smile. And I just, you know, that moment again is one of those moments where I see her, like, there's just so much I appreciate about these two characters. I always sort of joke with, with friends. I'm a, um, I am a bisexual man. And I, there was something about both of these characters that I saw in them that I was attracted to. And then also things that I was, you know, maybe not as attracted to. And I think that's what, but I think that that's one of the things about the movie that, that, that also was special for me is just, just how much I, adore watching these two and and what I see in them and like how much I would have you know sort of love being in that moment with them of this you know this one night um yeah I mean I think they're so they're they're complicated for how short of a time we get to know them and they're so honest with each other that it's like we see really good sides in them and and bad sides too in some ways yeah uh, I really love the scene in the record store. I think yes. there's a part of it for me too. Again, it's a, there's that moment in my life when I was really starting to explore sort of folk music and getting into this sort of phase of my life as a 
young Gen X guy that, um, so that when they're in that record store, I mean, I can think of all the like old record stores that I would like come across and, and you rummage through and, and, you know, sort of the music I would discover, but then they have that moment in the listening booth that is just the tensions there and you can feel all of the energy and the, the anticipation and everything. I, I just love that moment. Yeah. I think what really complicates the film uh, and what makes that scene so intense is that they don't have a hotel room. I mean, they established that early on. Right. So it's kind of like, it's a real, will they, won't they kind of thing, the whole movie. Cause I mean, they don't, and they, they don't, don't even tell us to run to. We don't, we don't really know. I mean, different people have different theories um, mm-hmm. about whether they will or they won't <laughs> or whether they did or they <laughs> didn't. Um, but by the end of the movie, that's one of the things that's left as a mystery. And I do love that. Part, that it's left as a mystery that mm-hmm. you can interpret it that they you know she has that they have that conversation where she says you know I think it would be better if we don't have sex um, because I want this to be not just about that but then later you see them walking and their clothes are different as if they had you know moved their clothes around <laughs> so you know yeah. we don't know what happened and I love that it's left to our interpretation and that we can look at it a number of different ways, depending on, you know, what we what we want to have happen in that or what we think might have happened. I love that she's so honest about, you know, she's like, you're going to think this is weird, but, you know, I, I don't want to because w- what if I look back on it and I'm like upset that that happened? And, and right. then I, she didn't want the memory of this great day to be tainted in the way that like, what if this was all some sort of ruse and she just tells him that you know she's not she's completely honest about it and you know he's he's on his back but he's also like okay i totally get all that but like i still want to so (laughs) you know and i thought that was such a real conversation between them you know because i think those are things you kind of, I think, especially when people are newly dating, they sort of keep in their head and they're kind of afraid to right. to say that. But when you've only got one day, it's like they kind of are forced to be honest. So yeah, I and I think there's a freedom it. in being in this other, you know, this other place, this city where neither of them are going to be, and they're all they're leaving in the morning, and they may never see each other again. It gives you the freedom to be honest in a way that maybe if they were on a first date and they were intending to try to turn this into a relationship, that they may not have had the same freedom to do that yeah and and going back to the record store i wanted to say man a listening booth like that's not a thing anymore right no like i wonder if people younger watching this would be like what the heck is that <laughs> like well so much of this I mean, movie doesn't happen now i mean they would have just mm-hmm. liked each other on you know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. (laughs) Exactly. And then they would have been in touch and they, you know, and it would have been a completely different um, sort of story, right? This is very Uh, much a movie of its time. Yes. And yeah, I think that that makes it, or at least for me, you know, first time viewing it, I was like, oh man, I do kind of, I miss that. You know, we went from listening booths to going to walmart or another store and and you could put headphones on you weren't in the booth anymore and then slowly even that went away and i kind of just like watching the movie started thinking about all that while i'm watching it and i I like when that happens when i'm watching a movie but you're so right like they would just get on facebook or Mm -hmm. instagram or snapchat or something Mm -hmm. and they'd probably keep in touch for years. You know, they could, they would have the freedom to do that. Um, or but, maybe it would have fizzled out after a few months. I mean, mm-hmm. they have that conversation right about exchanging phone numbers, but. Oh, um, that's right. But they, but who knows, right? And I think there's, mm-hmm. again, there's something about the their specific situation that just creates a very unique and, and, and special moment. Going back to the part about them, um, you know, in the field talking about whether or not they wanted to have sex together was, I, I, I love that it was this real conversation about it. Again, in movies and art, we often sort of romanticize the idea of just sort of going into it blindly. And I think there was just something really, again, today looking at it and all the talk that we have about negotiating consent, this was sort of an example of that, you know, all yeah, those very years true. ago. 
And I think, too, like, Ethan Hawke sort of, like you were saying earlier, he puts up a little bit of a front about mm-hmm. who he is. And but we get to see who he really is in some of these scenes where, you know, he he's very interested in everything. But at the end of the day, he's he's very open to hearing her thoughts and making sure that it's something she wants and mm-hmm. you know he cares about her um even if he sort of downplays that a little bit um sometimes in the movie they both they both downplay it to each other of like well this is crazy i've only known you one day i can't care about you that much right. but they do it's like underneath a lot of the fears and reservations they have they treat each other very well that's right. I agree. I, I, again, coming back to that honesty that they get to have, there's that scene where they pretend to phone friends. And oh, I love that each scene. Other. Yeah, that was, that's another of my favorites. She is, um, you know, uh, confessing to him that she chose to sit next to him, right? Like she, she used that moment of escaping that uncomfortable argument and she sees this guy and she chooses to sit down to him again that's a fact that most of us probably would have kept in our heads but she throws it out there and tells him the things that made her you know want to get off the train with him and you know he does similar thing in terms of telling her and in a way that feels I mean in some ways it is a bit performative flirty but at the other times you feel like they are being sincere with each other and and I really appreciate that aspect of it. Well, yeah, like when you're in a new relationship, you don't know what the other person's thinking at all. And all your cards are sort of kept close to your chest because you're nervous about being vulnerable, about being wrong, about, you know, scaring someone away. And they don't have that. So they're just kind of like, let's play this out. And you're like, man, I wish it could have done that you know in certain points in my life like it's it it is like a really fun moment yes yeah that and the i love when he convinces the the barman to give him a bottle of wine saying he will pay him back i always imagined that he did that he probably sent a check to that uh location uh, you know when he got back to the u.s but <laughs> i um you know I, I i love that um it's just the the optimism in that you know like he's gonna mm-hmm. go in there and he's gonna you know convince this guy to 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 give him a bottle of wine for free yeah that's very true and the, the guy's just kind of i guess he just liked him he just trusted him and just gave yeah. it to him and that feels so impossible but so possible at the same time that's right yeah yeah i mean the whole thing feels a bit disconnected from reality i mean they're again they're they're just on a train they are um um you know, in some ways it feels like a waking dream, right? Mm-hmm. They, it's overnight when the world is, is sleeping. They're, um, they're doing something sort of unexpected and uh, impromptu. And, uh, you know, it's in some ways you could imagine it just, a, you know, a fantasy that, you know, that you have of meeting someone and wandering around a beautiful city and um, just and falling in love. It's... Um, it it almost has a, a sense of um, hyper reality to it. I agree. I um I really like the part. There's a couple parts that I really like. I like that conversation they have with those two guys at the beginning um, when they first get to Vienna, and you know they have that awkward conversation with them, like, <laughs> "What should we do in the city?" Which is always like. So weird, you know, it's hard to ask someone that it's weird when someone asks you, it's like, honestly, it's a, it's an exchange I'd never look forward to. And if somebody does that around me, I'm like, no, don't. Um, But it's funny because it goes from being awkward to those two guys, like explaining that they're in this play and that, you know, come see our play and um, they don't end up going, but I, I kind of. I was almost hoping that they would because I thought that would be <laughs> so funny if they did. And I just thought that conversation felt felt very genuine. Yes, I love that. Again, you're right. just felt very real. Um, my understanding is that they um, did ad lib a lot of the conversations too. So they wrote it out, but uh, some parts, but they also, I think some of it was in the moment. I don't know which scenes or, or which, but uh, that one, again, just speaks to that very... Um, how real the conversations sound when they uh, when they're there. I, I love all the references to um, 
you know, you know, oh, could you speak another language for a change? You know, there are all references yeah. to that, <laughs> to him being unilingual, which, um, you know, is, is a sort of a common sort of experience in Europe, I think. So, uh, oh, yeah. just again, that just felt like it almost made me wonder, like, did the actor throw that in? Because <laughs> there's a, this American movie being made, you know, and they're, I don't know, who knows, maybe it was scripted, I don't know, but I always sort of wonder whether or not that was uh, thrown in there or not. Yeah, I love that. And then I really like the scene at the bar with the pinball machine. Mm. Um, you know, this whole movie, Ethan Hawke's been throwing out these little, not jabs, but just he, he steers the conversation sometimes into sort of like a negative and it feels like it's coming from somewhere. Um, and And I think for some of the movies, she's like, is he just like mean or you know is is he pretending to be nice but under it he's whatever but in this scene we find out what's really beneath all that mm. is that he's hurting and mm -hmm. that you know his girlfriend broke up with him and it takes him such a long time to really let that go and and tell her what actually happened because i mean frankly because it's embarrassing that would be awful to mm -hmm. save up all your money and travel to go see someone and have them yeah, that feeling he talks about of like, she just kind of never wanted to be alone with him and couldn't wait till he left. And then I, I love the self-awareness he has about, you know, when you break up with someone and you're just kind of relieved that they're gone. And now that she's breaking up with me, I'm realizing she's relieved I'm gone. <laughs> um, and how much that hurts. And yeah, it really, I think it, it takes their relationship to the next level when he finally is that honest with her. Yes. Yeah, that is a, that is a great scene. Um, I also love her story about her, about her story. I love <laughs> the way she talks about having written this uh, story and the way, you know, she was, um, and the reactions that, that the, in this case, the um, psychologist had to it. Um, that was just so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> reactionary and uh, the way she, uh, sort of laughs it off and you you have this moment where you realize that maybe she has you know some dark feelings too right that she's um mm. uh hopeful and 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 you know has this you know these desires for being you know for how she wants to be in the world and and affect the world and then but she also has some you know, ways of expressing yourself that are, that are darker too. And I think that that again, just feels so human because we, you know, we all have things where we, you know, think about darker things or, or more optimistic things. And, and so her putting that out there also makes you connect with her, I think. Yeah. Cause when they're at the uh, carnival, you know, he reveals some stuff about his past and that, you know, his his dad literally called mm. him a mistake, which he sort of glosses mm -hmm. over kind of quick. And she's like, whoa, this, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, again, it's not something you would normally reveal to somebody <laughs> the first time that you meet them, uh, maybe even years into meeting someone. I mean, it's like a deep, dark right. thing that's happened to him. Um, and then she reveals that her parents, you know, loved each other and, were great so it's like they have yeah. this opposite upbringing yeah. but i think you know just because they have different backgrounds doesn't mean they don't have the same you know all all people have the same i think complex emotions and so later when she you know reveals that darker side mm -hmm. um i think it it's sort of again like like you're saying it kind of shows that they're more alike than they think yeah, I like the way he he frames that around the like. I love the line where he says, "I feel like I'm crashing a big party." I think he says, <laughs> yeah. um, "I like that idea of saying, you know, it's sort of like his his destiny is his own, and he can make it uh, sort of what he wants." Or he wasn't supposed to be here, so he can just take advantage of the fact that that he is. But I also really relate to what she says in that moment. Thanks for bringing that up. It's, um, you know, I also had, you know, I have a wonderful family and I always felt like there was this, um, you know, struggle because as you're sort of forming your identity through adolescence and into your early adulthood, the, a big part of that is sort of pushing away and rebelling. And sometimes it's hard to do when you have, you know, loving parents who, um, you know, support you. And 
and the the frustration that she had in that was something I could really relate to. I, I, I think I have to agree with you there. And with what he was saying, you know, about how like, well, it is what it is. I like that too, because I think sometimes um, it's like we want to fix things that already happened. Um, you know, she's like, oh, that's horrible. And and she wants to kind of stay in that moment. And he's kind of like, well, I've digested it <laughs> by now. <laughs> um, and I think that's so true because, I mean, you know, parents are people and they're flawed. And, yep. you know, that I'm sure came out at a terrible moment. And I'm sure his dad does love him. But then he just yeah. spoke a truth that he can't really take back. And I'm sure he wishes he could. But um, the fact that Ethan Hawke's character is able to sort of just accept it and move on and you know, I, I think that that's really mature of him because I think that that's really hard to do, except that your parents are flawed. Yeah, and I think that that's um, that's a great uh, that's a great uh, understanding of that, and and the movie gets into stuff like that. I also love the part where he talks about the frustration that he has, or I don't know if it's frustration is not the right word, but when he talks about how he never gets to be away from himself, right? Like I've never been anywhere oh, yeah. where I wasn't there myself, and that is. I, I, you know, that was, I think, very revelatory for me when I first saw it. And it always is something I reflect on in that as well, that we we can never really get away from ourselves. And And I think it's something that when you're a teenager or in your early 20s, at least for me, um, I think that journey to understanding yourself and loving yourself, I don't, at least for me, I was not there at the age mm. that they are in the movie. And I think you become like after maybe after high school or, you know, at at that stage in your life, you become hyper aware of like your own flaws and where you fall short uh, compared to other people or, you know, compared to your aspirations. It's kind of a a tough time that doesn't always get explored a lot in film. And I do think that you, at least for me, you go through like a phase where you kind of don't like yourself. Mm -hmm. And so for him to be able to like openly admit that to somebody. um, Yeah, that's that you're right. That's, I really like that part too. I've never been anywhere that I haven't been in the room and yeah, yeah. I wish I could get away from myself. I think it sounds so sad or self-hating, but I think it's just honest. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I, again, that's just, it was a moment that really stuck out for me, both the first time I watched it, but, and, and every time subsequent. I mean, I've, I've watched the three movies now so many times. Um, sometimes they, um, you know, I, my reactions blur together. Cause you know how when you watch a movie a number of times, you, you experience it different as you sure. can sort of continue to watch it. So sometimes I, I lose track of that. But again, because of the, and I, again, I don't want to spoil things for the for the other movies, but because of the way the other movies uh, are, are made, they you um, you know you you see things in these moments that that inform stuff that happens in the in the later movies. Mm. Um, there's a moment where he talks about the time travel. Where he says that you know he's trying to convince her to get off the train, and he says, "Consider this time travel for your future self, and you know you'll always wonder, and this will be your chance to say, oh no, I I knew you know, you know I." I took the chance or whatever he says to her at that moment. And again, seeing these characters later in their lives, there's moments in this film that um, resonate even more after having mm-hmm. seen them later in their lives as well. So that's, that's a fascinating piece. Yeah. I have to see the other two now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, I don't want to say too much because I, I don't want to spoil them, but uh, they, they do, uh, make the experience of watching this one richer. But one of the things that I do love about this film is the way that it exists, even just on its own. And I think that's yeah. a, a, any movie, any movie that's part of a series, I think the best ones exist really well, um, you know, complementary with the rest of the series, but also really exist well on their own. And I, there is something about the way this movie ends that is just, that I always find so beautiful and, um, and just so, um, I don't want to say bittersweet. I, there's a real sense of um, just satisfaction and, and awe at the end of the movie for me every time I every time I see it when we're left in that moment. The the sequel wasn't made for nine years after the wow. after this one, so there was nine years of time when this movie existed um, on its own and and 
you know, whatever happens afterwards was, was never known. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And I just love being in that moment of um, not knowing what, um, what's going to happen next. I think it can't be too bittersweet because no matter what a connection they have, they haven't had time in their relationship for it to be bittersweet, mm -hmm. which is a really interesting space to exist in, not something that we ever really get mm -hmm. to see. Good point. Good point. And I think that there's also just something beautiful about the idea that even if it was just that one night, that that would be okay too, right? Yeah. Like, that that they had a really nice connection, and that um, and that it wasn't bad, it wasn't painful, it wasn't um, you know it wasn't toxic for them. It was this moment where they they had real connection, and if that's all that it was ever going to be, that that's good. Um, and so there's a, a real sort of like I love watching her sit on the train uh, at the end of the movie as it uh, as it fades out. She just has just such a richness in her face during that part i think as she's mm -hmm. just sort of letting the feelings of the of the night wash over her yeah i i agree and it's it's like a lot of times when we see relationships represented on film and they end it it, it almost always has to be like a, oh isn't this horrible and you know one person's the bad guy and you know it's like this awful thing they have to get over and this is sort of like, you know, sometimes relationships just end yeah. and that's not a bad thing. That's um, right. It's just kind of like, well, that it ran its course and okay, like I'm happy to have known that person and thankful for the time we had together. And um, I think that that is not, I think people are almost like not afraid, but maybe a lot of writers directors creators it's like oh the stakes kind of aren't high enough if we don't do mm. that but i think this movie proves that you know there is room for that right i i have so many mixed emotions as i'm watching them negotiate the you know there's a scene on the boat where they're talking about um okay well let's make this just about tonight like we know it's not going to work out if we try to exchange phone numbers blah 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 the um and then them both sort of having a like you can tell on their faces they have they're not 100% sure how they feel about that, but they convince themselves that that's what they should do. And then when they're saying goodbye and they're getting on, and she's about to get on the train and, and they're realizing, no, I don't want to do that. And they're, and all of those emotions come gushing out and it's very sort of young person love moment. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're caught up in all of that. But then again, you see them moments later and they're, they're now, they've gone their separate ways and they're settling into it. And, and maybe it's okay again. Like, I just feel like there's so much um, going on in each one of those moments because it's not as simple as, yes, they should fall in love and be together forever or no, they should never see each other again, right? Like, it's it all exists in a space between that somewhere and there's a tension in that that I just adore. Yeah, and I think in real life, you know, when it comes to relationships, it doesn't have to be so extreme but we've kind of made it that way and this right. movie kind of shows how it, it really doesn't have to be right <laughs> um of course we're going to have complicated emotions because we're human but in the grand scheme of their entire life you know is it that important in that second if they make that decision then it's it's really not so it's like kind of mm -hmm. interesting in that way right there was this, like I said, there's periods of time. So for people who saw them, so the movie was, um, wasn't overly successful critically. It was very successful, but, um, it, it wasn't a box office hit or anything. And so, um, it kind of felt like this club to be in if you had seen it and could talk about it with other people. And so you'd always, um, before the sequels came out, you would always talk about, so, you know, people would have the debate, you know, do you think they, meet again? Do you think that they don't? Do you think that one of them shows up, the other one doesn't? Like, what do you think happens? And I'm curious to to know where, where you're at, having only seen this movie, where, if you think about what you think about might happen next. Hmm. I guess because there's a sequel and stuff. <laughs> I know, it kind of ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> but on another level, I really think it could go either way. Because, you know, I've, I've had friends that have met people when they were traveling or when they live somewhere for a little while and it 
it kind of lasts for a little while and then it sort of fizzles out. I think it's extremely rare that it would work out, I guess Mm -hmm. is my honest opinion. Um, Because even though they had so much connection on that day, I think, um, you know, he mentions earlier that like long distance never works out, which is an exaggeration, but it's not entirely untrue. I think, Mm -hmm. um, distance you know makes it really difficult the fact that they're from two different countries and they don't really have a connection other than they met this one day i i think you know their friends and family would be like "Eh, i'd let this go (laughs) (laughs) and i feel like maybe i'm a little bit too much of a realist or you know not romantic enough but i would be like "Mm, i probably wouldn't work out what was what were your thoughts back then? Uh, you know what? It's I would go back and forth on different things. Sometimes I think I wish that they would um, run into each other again. Sometimes I wish that they would have met that and, and to see that. You know, that I had. You know, I imagine different scenarios. Maybe they met as they agreed to, but they didn't have the same connection again, which I thought could have been a really interesting story. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I also yeah, like the idea exactly. of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also thought about them you know not running into each other um i i I, again i won't spoil it Uh, i i the the second movie i love all three movies but the second one is probably my my all-time favorite of the three um and just sort of um it's not what i would have guessed which i liked about it um but I sort of like that the not knowing part. Like I love being at this moment in the series and just not knowing and just having that, um, you know, possibilities, right? Um, that yeah, maybe... it's it's a relatable experience. You know, when yeah. you're new into a relationship, you don't know where it's going to go, and in some ways that's really scary. But in other ways, especially at the very beginning, because I mean the stakes are low at this point. You're, you've just met them. It's kind of exciting. So we don't really get to see that represented on film a lot. Um, I keep saying that in this interview, but it's true. Like we don't get to get, feel that energy of like, Hey, this is brand new and we don't know where it's going to go. And that's a little bit fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it is colored too, by, by when you see the movie. So, um, you know, like I said, I was the age of the characters when I first saw it. So I'll always have that kind of like early twenties, thing happening for me when you know it, when I react to this movie because of that's how I first saw it and then the same thing sort of happens with each of the of the sequels I'm always the same age as the characters I'm always at the same point in my life as they are and so many of the issues that they're dealing with are 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 so relatable for me um uh when that happened when when I you know what what with what they're going through so um, I think there was a part of me that was probably more romantic, maybe not more romantic, but just in a different way, right? But had a different sense of romance, and so maybe there was a part of me that that hoped they might, uh, that hoped they might meet again. But, yeah, well, I like that. It's optimistic, and <laughs> it's certainly, you know, more like you said, romantic, and, and probably more interesting than Mip. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but again, though, I, I think I can actually relate to that. Like I've had, I, you know, in my past, I've, I've had situations where I've met someone and maybe had sort of intense feelings for them, you know, in a brief period of time. And then not, you know, sort of been able to reconnect with them for whatever reason. And so, you know, there's something beautiful about that, too, that they remain this, you know, beautiful memory. And, and this time, like you said, like it, it, um, it was something that you are glad you had the experience of, even if you've now moved on and, and have lived a different life and, and uh, done different things and met other new wonderful people, right? Maybe people that did stick more for you but that still doesn't take away from the fact that that night was special or that moment, that connection was special in its in its moment so there's something very romantic about that idea too and then not mm-hmm. seeing each other again i love the way that the film at the end revisits so many of the locations where they went all empty now like there's this you know they they he he shoots each one of those spaces again in the daylight and now they're they're empty and it's interesting it could have been that they were bustling with you know the the city life at the time but he doesn't choose to do that he chooses to show us the spots um just existing on their own without any anyone in them and i always find that quite um quite an emotional way to end the film 
Yeah, because it's like visually we're seeing that it that it's done. With that world that they were in, it's it's gone now somehow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Were there any other scenes that we haven't touched on yet? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, I love that they are sort of, you know, sort of in the space, but not fully of it. They're always a little bit mm-hmm. outside the, um, um, you know, whether they're watching the dancer or they're interacting with the um, with the fortune teller, which I mentioned. I, I love what she says. I think that that scene with the fortune teller really sums up a lot of it for me because there's this idea that she's completely, you know, playing them, right? She's a, you know, she's just telling them a story and, and making yeah. it up and just, you know, for the money and for the entertainment value. But then, you know, there's this idea that who cares if she is, because it's still just this great little moment that they get to have. And so it's worth having her, you know, tell that to them because they can make their own meaning out of it. Right. And I, I think that that speaks so much to where they're at in their lives, where there's this like cynicism about not trusting things, not believing in it, not believing in things, not believing in love. But, you know, at one point she even says about love, she says, oh, there's nothing more selfish than love. Or I can't remember which one of them says it, but one of them says that. But then at one point she says, but, you know, this idea of loving someone and being loved means so much to me. So there's this idea of them sort of pushing it away but but wanting it at the same time and and trying to find a way that they can authentically seek out all those things that they're being told they've been told all their lives they should have mm-hmm. they want that but they want to find it in an authentic way and i and i really respond to that um, yeah yeah so um but i mean i could uh, uh any other scenes um Again, I think that I always really just love the ending. I love watching her on the train, um, just thinking about the day and just with the, as we said before, the the endless possibility of of who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, completely agree. And when you're talking about, um, you know, the the scene with the dancer and the fortune teller and how they're they're in the scene, but they're not completely a part of it i like the way that the camera sometimes too is like off to the side mm-hmm. like you're watching them watching something mm-hmm. um that also helps create i think distance in in those scenes it's really effective mm-hmm. yes well if if we're done with the scenes then let me ask you a couple of quick questions sure <laughs> my last couple of questions for you number one uh if you could sum up what you've been talking about uh, why do you think you love this movie? Why do you think you keep revisiting it? Well, again, I think because for me, it came to me at just the right moment, um, at a time in my life when I was feeling a lot of the same things, a lot of Jesse's ruminations and, and Celine's, you know, too, and, and their frustrations. So much of that is what I can relate to there, the way she, you know, the way they're interested in art and literature. And, and I was just, you know, sort of at that age where I was really trying to expose myself to those, um, you know, to new ideas and, and new ways of understanding the world, maybe things beyond what the child and teen me had sort of understood the world. And so all of that sort of came at the right time. And then again, now sort of as a person who's older than that age, looking back on that time in my life and, and appreciating it, as you said, both from a um, cringe part, sometimes you think, oh, I used to say that, or I used to do that, I can't believe it, how embarrassing, but also in a nostalgic way, not nostalgic, but like in a, a loving way, like, oh, you yeah. know, seeing yourself at that age and the vulnerabilities and sort of, you know, caring for, you know, that early 20s you that was that was there at that time. So it's mm-hmm. just always... And I hope I wasn't picking on the 90s too much, because I mean... no. I, I, in 83 so it's <laughs> i'm also a part of the 90s um <laughs> and i didn't want to make it sound like oh he's being such a big jerk because i don't think so i just think that when you're younger you're like so oh, yeah. confident like, this is how everything is men are like this women are like that and it's like oh like the older yeah. you get the more you're like i don't know anything <laughs> yeah no i agree yeah. with that and i think that um one of the things i love about these this well each of these movies but this one particularly because it's in the 90s 
is that it is very much of its time, but it is not in a self-conscious way. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. ram down. Like so many times when we see a movie that's set in the 80s or the 90s or the 70s, we get the soundtrack and we get the clothes references and and they, they purposely throw stuff at us to remind us this is the year that you're in. And this film mm-hmm. doesn't do any of that. It just exists in its time, very much it summing like it's it up. It closer to what the 90s were like. Then like, yes. you know, when you see something like, and this isn't a criticism, but like say a Kevin Smith movie or something, it's like, oh man, that's so 90s. It's like, well, it's a hyper, you know, yeah. uh, dramatized version of how people felt at that time, but not right. necessarily how people actually acted or things that they would truly say out loud, you know what I mean? Whereas right. this like has that little, you know, 90s edge and ideology that people were feeling, experiencing, believing at the time, but it's it's more subtle because That's we right. I think in reality we were probably a little bit more subtle with all those ideas. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, so how, you know, how do you pitch this to someone that hasn't seen it before? Oh, well, um I mean, the sum, the summation that you read is is a good one. I mean, I think it's an intriguing idea, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just tell people, oh, it's this, you know, this guy on a train. He's a uh, early in his early twenties. He meets a, a girl, and he convinces her to get off the train and walk around the uh, city together. And and often that's enough to get somebody interested and curious. But if I know the person better, or maybe they maybe have more movie knowledge, or um, you know, really into cinema, or or, or whatever, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about the, um, you know, the way that, uh, you know, it's about two strangers connecting and, and finding connection in a, in, in a unique way. And, um, and often again, that, um, you know, for me, that's, that's what sells it to me more than just the premise, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, you know, we haven't talked about the casting a whole lot, but I wanted to say mm. that Ethan Hawk has this quality to him where, you know, he's been in some really big things, uh, but he also does a lot of these sort of like indie movies. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what makes him so successful at that is he's so incredibly recognizable and so famous, but very accessible when he plays characters. Like when I watch this, it's not like watching like Ben Affleck be this character, you know, or, you know, uh, somebody on that level. So I think... Um, I have to give a lot of credit to him too, that he's able to kind of pull that, that vibe off that he has in the movie. Like, it's not shocking that he would be cast in something like this, but he is very good at it. Well, I think I read, and I hope I don't have this wrong, but I think I read that Linklater originally didn't want to cast him. Um, and, but then he saw him in a stage production of something that convinced him that he would be the right, oh. he'd be right for the part that I think maybe the screen persona of Ethan Hawke wasn't what he was looking for, but, uh, Ooh. he could, he saw something else in him on stage. So maybe that, I, and again, I hope I'm not, um, making that up, but, um, and going by memory of something I read uh, a long time ago. I like that. Cause it's, I mean, it also helps, you know, maybe he wasn't thinking about it this way, but it does help, uh you know, sell the movie. <laughs> a little bit to have in it. But yeah, I think, you know, I like what you said. I think, you know, my pitch for this is it's a, a romantic movie that's a little different from the other movies like it. You know, it's, it's, I, I've expressed on the show that my strongest genre is not romance. Um, <laughs> it never has been. Um, but I like these kind of films that sort of you know, as we've been talking about this whole time, exist in a different space than a lot of the romantic movies that we're used to. And I think right. if there's certain tropes or things that you don't like in those movies, that's probably going to make you like this one even more. <laughs> well, I think um, if that's true for you, then um, I think that you'll uh, enjoy the other movies in the series as well. Okay, good. Yeah, I think there's a part of me that it used to be so cynical that it was hard for me to enjoy a movie that was, you know, quote unquote romantic, unless it was like eternal sunshine. But now <laughs> it's, like, it's so extreme. And I like that this one isn't that, and that it's like still romantic just in a different way. And so, yeah, right. I do look forward to seeing those other movies too. Great. Well, maybe I can come back and we can talk yes, about Yes, Absolutely. You should definitely come back. <laughs> I would um, love that. Yeah. And, and Colin, where can people find you? Okay. Well, I, um, not that, uh, I'm not that prolific out in, um, the world. Um, 
I uh, do see a lot of movies and write about my comments on them just to get mostly just to get them off my own chest. Um, and um, uh, I guess the you can um, uh, find me at you can find probably on Instagram would be the best place to uh, uh, find that where I'm at B Colin Smith. So that's B C O L L I N S M I T H. Um, at twi- on Twitter, uh, I'm also there, but then I have a lot of my uh, progressive politics on there, so one might be a little less uh, enjoyable. But it is at Raptor Colin, R A P T O R C O L L I N, on Twitter, and I post a lot of my musings on uh, on that as as well. So uh, that's where um, that's where you can find me. Great. Well, thank you again. Um, This was so enjoyable to talk about and definitely want to have you back. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. I had a wonderful time.